Elemental, a type of magical entity who personifies the force of nature and controls natural powers derived from their element. Stay tuned as we interview author Steve Walton on today's episode of 26 Podcast. Today's episode of 26 Podcast is brought to you by Audible. Go to audibletrial.com slash 26 to get three months for $6.95 each. Also, get a free audiobook while you're there. Remember, go to audibletrial.com slash 26. Today, I find myself with author Steve Walton. Hi, Steve. How are you? Hi. How you doing, Kevin? Pretty good. Can you tell our audience the name of the books that you have written? Uh, the books that I have uh, published so far are Elemental Heart and Elemental Dragonfire and Brimstone. And uh, I've been working on them for quite a few years. The story themselves, I started God, back when I was a teenager. And they've evolved through the years. And um, I really was struggling with the, the name of the first book, because I know it sounds like a romance novel, Elemental Heart. Right. Um, but uh, really, the, the entire premise around the entire series comes from um, the Elemental Heart, which is not, uh, not a heart in the way that you would think of it. You know, emotion, love, and it's more about um, it's more about strength and honor, power. Um, so, Elemental Heart, uh, naming the first book Elemental Heart for me was something that was necessary. And then, as someone reads through the series and comes back and probably and reads it over again, they'll understand more why it was titled the way it was. And uh, Another reason why I named the second book Dragonfire and Brimstone, because yeah, I wanted it to give a little bit more of a kick. Right, and I, I noticed <laughs> you spelled fire differently. F-Y-R-E, right. yeah. Well, Dragonfire, um, the Dragonfire is uh, a reference to one of the character's ancestors that you get to see a little bit in book one, a little bit in the beginning of book two. Um, that was a title that he held at one time. So that's why it was, it was changed from an I to a Y. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I gotta say, it's very the the universe that you created in this series is very interesting, and I kind of want to know. I, I know it's based upon uh, other types of mythology and things of that sort. Mm-hmm. Can you kind of delve into how you came up with some of your characters and? Well, uh, in its initial inception, I created this uh, God, when I was 13, 12 years old. A friend of mine who also had a great imagination, he kind of worked with me um, to, to explore my imagination, you know, as young boys do. You know, we, you know, we come from the, uh, the Power Ranger, He-Man, G.I. Joe, Thundercat generation, right. you know, the X-Men cartoon had come out. And... Uh, so we just started spitballing different ideas, you know, and it went, it became uh, my elementals. And I wanted to create something originally, as a child, something that was kind of comic bookish. Uh, so the first conception of the characters was uh, very basic. You know, I had you, your fire elemental, you know, a person who is disposed to uh, having the power of fire, and um, my uh, earth elemental and an air elemental, and then I gave them names because they had to have secret identities, of course. Right. You know, and um, 
it kind of went from there. There were characters I created back then that I just I abandoned, and some that evolved over time. Um, uh, but the the main characters, John, Jeff, Matt, Joe, Robert, and Ken, who was kind of added later, they, to me, are all different parts of my personality uh, that have evolved through the years or experiences or people that have meant something to me that I've added on to those characters. Um, the evolution of them has come from rewrites after rewrites after rewrites. Because as I went through the years and had more life experiences and, uh, and absorbed more mythos from other things that I loved. When I was younger, I used to read a lot of, uh, a lot of history books and a lot of mythology books. Everything, mostly Western mythology. And I had an affinity for them. I also had an affinity for character development because my father really didn't limit what I was exposed to, although some of those things maybe should have been toned down or uh, for, waited for a later time in my life. But uh, when I was young, I, I liked uh, Highlander, for instance. And in Highlander... Oh, there can only be one, yeah. And in Highlander, you had this character who was immortal who traveled through the centuries. There was a lot of flashbacks to history, which I loved, and also made me want to look more into different times and periods in history. Um, and uh, the concept of being immortal and taking someone else's head and gathering their, their strength and their power and their knowledge, that to me was a great idea. But I didn't want, I didn't want to plagiarize or you know, off of it. But there were a lot of different stories where you had characters that had sacred tombs or armor or swords, you know, like Excalibur, for instance, some objects of strength that if you took away from them could be transferred to the holder of those relics. And so going with that kind of, going with that concept and, and my love for other stories, I came to the creation of the Elemental Heart, which is an organ that was created thousands of years before the beginning of the series. Uh, it was created by another civilization far away in another galaxy, far, you know, in a galaxy far, far away. And uh, for the purpose of warfare, it was an organ that was created to um, be able to tap into the latent energy that exists, the zero-point energy, the light energy that exists and, and everything, the, the uh, unified field, if you will. You know, the ability to tap into that layer of subatomic energy that would give them the power to uh, sustain themselves in various environments. For instance, uh, if a soldier were to be deployed on a place like Venus, they would be able to deal with the atmospheric pressure they would be able to adapt. They would be able to change their, their very cellular structure, their DNA and RNA, in order to adapt to the surroundings or go to Mars or go to uh, any condition, any other planet. They were basically created to be uh, space marines that could be deployed anywhere. And so the, uh, the heart itself was an artificial organ that through the ages, through breeding, and you know, down through family lines, became just a natural part of, of their bodies, became a natural part of who they were. Uh, the effect of, of it, the unexpected effect of it, was an affinity towards certain elements. So you have 
beings that can control, absorb, and in some cases become fire. Uh, and the same with water, air, earth, and a few other elements that I don't know. I don't know if I created, but I just had a concept of such as void or space. Mm -hmm. The um, just the the latent energy in in space itself. Uh, uh, the ability to traverse great distances at, at high speed, uh, to uh, upset gravity, reverse it if you wish, if you will. Um, so, getting back to what you originally asked me, sorry, <laughs> I go off on a whole world. There's there's thirty years of memories and thirty years of 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 ideas that eventually coalesce themselves into this series. So. Um, Sometimes I go off base a little bit. Yeah, I apologize. It's, it's fine. It's a big universe. <laughs> uh, but the characters themselves, as far as the the books, which start in the 1990s, late 1990s. Uh, the reason I started in that era is because it's already been set in stone in our real world timeline. That era has already been set in stone. It's also around the time that I really started getting involved with the with the reworks of my uh, of my novels. And uh, I didn't want to move them too far forward because there are certain concepts and certain things that would have to be really changed considering how much we've grown in technology over the last 20 years. Right. So I had to make it more of a period piece um, with a little bit of accelerated technological growth throughout the books, but not by much, maybe a decade. Mm -hmm. um, these... Uh, all these characters are near and dear to my heart, and they've all had great, uh, great evolutions over time. The main character of the series, John. Originally, his name was John, John Stephen Walter. Okay. <laughs> you know, I wonder why. I wonder why, right. Well, yeah, it was when I was 13. And then I eventually changed to John Lou Ra, and the reason I did that was I wanted to give it more of, an, more of a foreign feel, more okay. of an alien feel to right. it. Uh, Lou is a, a god from... Uh, the Celtic regions and Ra, uh, I spell it R-A-H, but, you know, the sun god uh, of Egypt. Um, John, I wanted to keep the same because uh, I like the name. <laughs> it's my middle name. It's also my grandfather's name. Um, and he's, uh, he's probably the most complex character. He's the person that was forced into a leadership role due to destiny. Right. Doesn't really want to have anything to do with uh, with his destiny. Doesn't want to uh, doesn't want to be who he has to be, but eventually embraces it. You know, his, his force is put in a position to embrace it. Yeah. Whereas his older brother Joe, he's uh, he's they're they're excuse me, they're all uh, they're all orphans, and so his surrogate brother, Joe, his adopted brother, he's the responsible one. And he was the one that was chosen to be, um, you know, make sure to look after your brothers. You know, the, their foster mother would always look at Joe and make sure that you look you know after that. them because they're they don't know what the hell they're Even doing. Role of the older brother, right? And uh, then you've got Jeff, who is a person who will not shut his mouth. He's very opinionated, knowledgeable. He's the person in the group who won't. Who won't keep his opinion to himself, but he's not a person who's going to oppress his opinion to the point of offense. 
if he offends you because he's giving his opinion or the way he views the world, then that is your fault. That's your problem. But he's not, the, he's not a person who's going to uh, continue to press his opinion in your face just for the sake of offending you. Um, he's a really well-developed character, probably one of my favorites that, that I've created over the years because of his strength. And I would actually say he could rival the, the, um, the protagonist of the series. Uh, Matthew is um, the Earth Elemental. And he, he's the guy that wants to have fun. He's a good guy. He likes to date. He likes to, to have a beer now and again. He likes to go out and party and, and have fun. He's not a bad guy. He's not trying to fall in love. He's just trying to find love for the night. And, um, but not at the expense of, of dishonoring right. a person or himself. Um, and if you can accept that about him, then you can have a great time with him. Uh, Ken is a very closed character, very closed up individual, uh, because he, like my main character, witnessed his family murdered when he was a child and took it very, very differently uh, than John did. On the outside, he shows strength. He shows himself to be a very strong, very strong personality, and very protective, physically, physically and physically strong. physically strong. And well, of course, he's he's tall, like his their ancestors were. Their ancestors right. uh, were very tall people, so he looks more like them. And what he lacks in elemental strength uh, or, or elemental powers, he makes up for with physical strength and physical resistance. Um, he's the protector. He's the guy that that will slap his brothers around and at the same time do anything he can to protect them. Right. Um, I say um a lot, I'm sorry. <laughs> but uh, Robert. Now Robert's an interesting character because I didn't, I didn't have him, I didn't create him when I first started this. Um, he's, the element, he's an Akashan, the elemental of life. He's a pacifist. He's very intelligent. He... He's an intellectual, and he's probably one of my favorite characters because he's so different than everyone else. The rest of them are warriors. He's the healer. He's the healer. Right. He's the one that tries to talk sense. He's the one that when, they, when someone's captured, he's the first one to say, no, 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 don't kill him. You know, it's, he's, he's surrendered. Don't kill him. Uh, but I put him through... A lot of uh, a lot of rigorous trials and tribulations, and um, we'll see. We'll see if his character breaks at some point in the future. But for the foreseeable future, for everything that I've written down so far, he's uh, he's the healer, and he won't he will not take a life, and he will not he will not allow an action around him or given given order that would take a life. It's completely against his creed. Mm -hmm. So, since you've been talking about a lot, taking lives and everything. Um, you, your, your books are, I mean, there is a, there's a battle going on, so they are kind of bloody. Um, I don't think I'm giving anything away by saying the beginning of the book. The, the book starts with a tiny child witnessing the destruction of his entire clan, of his entire family. Yeah. Um, that being said, there is a war that is going on on this planet that we know nothing about mm -hmm. and where do you see humans or earthlings what are they going to become as part of this in your timeline 
do we discover that they live amongst us or will we kept will we be kept blind the entire time or will we become slaves depending <laughs> on who wins or who doesn't win that's interesting um <clears throat> I'm actually uh, very happy that since you've read them that you came to that question because that's, uh, that question is meant to be asked or meant to be thought by the reader. You've, without giving away too much, I will say that there are humans on the earth that have known about the elementals and the Valkyra um, and still do. There are organizations that deal with them um, but to the main population they're not admitted by those powers they're not, the knowledge is not admitted of them now as the series moves forward and more grand events happen uh, the excuses will the excuses offered of it was a freak storm or you know it was a it was a just a unusually strong hurricane or uh you know a weather balloon a weather balloon right you know <laughs> those excuses will be not enough and there will be more and more evidence that uh, that that become available to the human population to where th i mean eventually they will be exposed and they will be known to exist and I guess it's not giving it away too much to say when you have a large population in my opinion that sees another group of people who are vastly more powerful or intelligent or technologically strong um, they become frightened you know they don't want to go the way of the Neanderthal right so so things happen things do happen right <laughs> Things will happen. Yeah. Um, interesting. The, at first, I saw it when I, you know, when I read into it in the beginning. I was thinking, okay, so the elementos are the good guys, Valkyra are the bad guys. Mm -hmm. But as you continue to read, that isn't necessarily the case because mm -hmm. you have a lot of elementos that are with the Valkyra. Mm -hmm. um, so, is there a clear line of who's good or, or bad, or is there no one? That's I mean, good. Is there not a good or bad side? Is there in life, depending upon who you are or where you live, what culture you have, what country you're from, what ideology your priest or imam tells you that you should believe, uh, that's pretty much the complexity of those peoples. I have several different cities and different cultures. The cities are uh, mostly under cities. And they live underground. Um, one of the reasons that they live underground is because of the the evolution of the Valkyra. They they would rather be away from starlight because their ancestors grew up on a world or a part of a world that did not get a lot of starlight. So they have the ability to see in darkness, um, and they're more comfortable there. So a lot of the different races gravitated toward living underground, but the seclusion of these different peoples who have a very hard time procreating and some have a very long lifespan you have ideals that have existed whereas things in our community may change through a 50-year generation 
the ideals in these communities have existed for centuries because their generation can, can exist centuries. You also have a lot of houses, a lot of families who have known one another across those lines uh, for over a thousand years that don't necessarily look at a difference of opinion as being something that makes someone good or evil. It just makes it a difference of opinion. In the end, they all come, they're all outcasts. They grew up here, they were born here, but their ancestry comes from someplace else. So that tethers them together from the elemental to the Valkyra and everyone in between. Uh, in, this, in the book that I'm writing now, I'm going to introduce the Volrena, who are another faction of people that exist between somewhere between good and evil. The, the only defined scope of good and evil within these communities are those who protect life and those who simply take life. For instance, my, my bad guys, the Valkyra, under Jan Previer, they have, uh, their ethical codes are very patriarchal, very dominant, very, um, they, have a, they have a very strong hierarchy. There's a slave class, and you know, there's a worker class, and there's a warrior class, and there's the, the elites, or the political class. Um, women have virtually no power, and if you are a woman who manages to secure some type of power in that community, you are the exception to the norm. Now, to someone who lives in a Western country, uh, in, in our world, in the real world, uh, we would look at that and go, ew, that's, that's awful. That's like the opposite of liberty. Right. To someone who lives in another part of the world who actually does prescribe to a patriarchal environment where women have little rights, uh, that, would be, that would be good to them. Right, that's the norm. That's the norm. What's wrong with that? Right. <laughs> um, so there's something to be offered depending on who the reader is. I have so many different variations of characters and clans and cultures that depending on who the person is that's reading it really will depend on who they see as being the good guy and the bad guy. Um, and I would rather have it that way because I put a lot of time, a lot of care, and a lot of effort into every character and all their backstories. And some of the backstories that I've written won't even make it into the main novels. They're just for me and me alone. Wow. So, um, as a person reads through the story, uh, the questions that, that they ask, like that one, um, which I'm glad was the impression you got, uh, is meant to be there. And there's a lot more behind it. There's a lot of lore that I've written um, that I think I'm eventually going to write three books, a prequel trilogy, when I'm finished this one because there's just so much backstory and lore that I've created and uh, would help explain. If you were to read the prequels and then read those, you'd go, oh, okay, I get it. But right. Well, but Star Wars uh, wasn't released that way. No, Star Wars wasn't released that way. So, <laughs> I love Star Wars. Right. <laughs> Jan Prevere, now that you mention that, mm -hmm. you have some very, very, at least I think so, very difficult names to pronounce yes. in the book. Um, do you have any plans of maybe releasing a little cheat sheet? Yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Because you're not the first person to have mentioned that. Um, you might be about the sixth or seventh person to have mentioned that. And uh, I understand. I tried to write them 
I wanted to create different types of names uh, and, and make it phonetically sound. Okay. You know, but uh, I guess it didn't turn out that way. Um, so, yes, uh, book three, I'm going to have a legend. I'm going to have something in it that uh, helps you to uh, understand the, uh, the the different names, places, uh, or the pronunciation for those. So, yeah. and the good thing about your books being available on on a Kindle, you heard that, folks. You can get the book at Amazon. Uh, you could always update your Kindle book and add a separate page at the end. And then people who have a Kindle actually get notified that there's an update. Yeah. And they can update it and it's there. Yeah. So you could always do that. I could. I'm so involved in, in writing three right now that it which would, is uh, Which is awesome. I can't wait till that comes out. Because, uh, I mean, you, you have painted a fantastical world that probably can only exist in your mind and those of people that know you and can understand where you're coming from. Um, and I do see a lot of you in the different characters, and I'm glad that you brought that out, that some of those characters are just different representations of you. Because, you know, I, I see the fun-loving guy. I see the guy who also keeps quiet to himself. I see the guy who has an opinion he wants to share with others. You know, I, I see right. all that. I see the guy who also wants to keep peace at times. Um, so I'm glad that you did mention that, that a lot of those characters are basically different parts of your personality. Well, one of the hardest parts of, of maintaining the integrity of the characters that I wrote is that as we all go through life and we have more experiences, we evolve. Right. And our views change and who we are, what we consider to be the right thing to do when we're 20 is not the right thing to do when we're 30 or 40. Right. So I've had to maintain a certain integrity uh, by remembering who I was at the time that I may have created or cemented the character. Uh, so there are times when I'm writing a uh, story arc and I cringe because, ah, I wouldn't do that anymore, but this is who I wrote. Right. That's this is what this was. character is doing. Right. So they've all basically taken on a life of their own. The the intimacy that I have with them isn't that at this point that they all represent me. It's that I've spent so many years evolving them that they're 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 like friends in a weird way. That's I don't know if that sounds weird, but they're uh, they're like friends that you've that you've had for years and. That's also helped me to maintain who they are and not change them. Uh, not change a character who I would at this time consider their actions to be just inexperienced and foolish. Right. But at the time that they were created, well, that inexperience is foolish is what he should be doing or right. she should be doing. Right. Yeah, you're not, you're not going to apologize for them. No. They are who they are and that's who they're going to continue to be. Yeah. Um, I don't know how... How far along are you going to take your story? I don't know if the plan is for them to age and get older and then they change as they get, you know, as they mature, or are they going to crash and burn young? Only you know that. Well, that's funny that you say that. One of the inspirations that finally got me to 
to, to publish it, to self-publish my books, was a series that I saw on Stars a few years ago. Well, I'd read a, I'd read a, a, a Tom Clancy book, <laughs> and the technical, and all of the, the the technical descriptions in this book just like blew my mind. I was like, oh my god, I can never. It intimidated me. Like I can never write a book like that. Like that's just you know so technical and so well informed. And then I, I read a, a few other books that were much more relaxed and just told a story. And uh, some things had gone on through my life uh, where I was displaced and I basically had to start from, from the ground up. And uh, so I had time. And nothing, I, like, I had not just time to rebuild my life and a computer and that's all I had. Right. And I watched a, a series on stars called Spartacus, which I loved. Andy Whitfield, God bless him. Um, which was unapologetic in its representation of the characters and what they were trying to portray of the time. As far as uh, the violence, and sex, nudity, um, character development, uh, the actors themselves and the actresses, uh, they were all, it was all so well done. And unapologetic. Mm -hmm. And that really caused me to to say to myself, just do it. Just be unapologetic. Just write the stories. Just do it. Write it the way you want to write it. Don't worry about what somebody else is going to think. And that's what I did. I had the time. I was starting from the, from the ground up all over again, unfortunately. And that's what I did. I wrote Elemental Heart in three months. Edited it in additional six with rewrites. And just decided that I was going to do it for me and do it the way the story should be written. I couldn't worry about if um, somebody in my family read it and went, oh my God, Steve, you're writing about sex. Or, oh my God, you're writing about uh, th these horrible things that are happening to this woman. Or, or, or violence, or a child witnessing the murder of his entire family, you know, in description. Right. I really wanted to just make it as unapologetic, as descriptive, and as true the feeling of the story, the feeling of the characters that I had created and molded for so many years. So that's what I did. And then I gave it the name of a romance novel. Novel, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that being said, who exactly... Well, I think the answer you just gave me is that you wrote the book for yourself. But you also want to share with people. Mm -hmm. That's the whole reason of putting it down on paper. Who is your target audience for this series? My target audience for this? People who love sci-fi fantasy. Adults who love sci-fi fantasy. It was written for adults. Not written for kids. It is not written for young teenagers, impressionable teenagers. It's not written for them. Uh, young adults, I believe, could handle it. But really, it's meant for a mature audience. It's meant for people who have already passed their teenage years and have already gone through those awkward times and are now... Um, you know, and now have years of experience, you know, behind them. 25, 24, okay. I think, so and you, older. So you don't have any plans on toning it down, rewriting it, and putting it back out for the Hunger Games generation? No. No, because they've already, that, that already exists. Those books already exist. They're, right. they already, they're already for those people. This, the people that I'm trying to reach are the, uh, the old Trekkies. 
the old Star Wars fans, right. uh, the B5 fans, uh, the Lord of the Rings, the adult Lord of the Rings fans, the, uh, uh, the Highlander fans, you know, the, the, the people who love uh, Spawn. Right. Oh, when people ask me what the series is about, I say, well, it's kind of an amalgamation of, um, uh, of Spawn and Highlander and, and, and the X-Men. Because there's so many different evolutions in the, in, the, in the books, which is the way that I want it. Because if I threw everything that consists of the entire series into one book, it just wouldn't make sense. It, then it'd be like War and Peace. There it, are, yes, there yes. Are, I mean, it, your, your books, for, for people who have not uh, had the opportunity or the pleasure to read the book yet, they are long. They are, they are longer than most Kindle books, at least. Um, and... And it's because you put so much detail as it is now, which as a reader I can appreciate because you get to know the characters, you get to know some of the history, um, you get to understand where a lot of them are coming from and why they are the way they are. But like you were saying, if you were to just put everything on there, you would put a lot of people off just on the, the size oh. of the book itself. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And and the, informa and the information involved in it. Like I... Um there's a little bit of everything, and that's because I love sci-fi and fantasy, mm -hmm. and I have since I was a kid. So, uh, the, the the series evolution, without giving too much away, goes from your basic uh, Power Ranger type um, kids, you right. know, just coming to their own, right, right, and doing things that young adults do, you know, drinking and smoking, and uh, coming up against a great evil. And then defeating that evil, you know, good, good story, good, wholesome, you know, adventure story. Well, maybe not too wholesome, but, uh, and, and, and with, with tits, uh, with nudity, um, because uh, we're all adults and we can handle nudity. And uh, then you move into a, a more pressing, more pressing matters, a harder part of the story. As you go into the second book, Dragonfire and Brimstone, you get more of an idea of the distant past where some of the uh where some of the antagonists come from mm -hmm. where uh the history um why john doesn't want to use the zeitin um and as you as uh, you move into book three i'm really going to be delving into character development even more uh, and lore, and expanding the different areas, the different uh, cities, Elven Galorn, Tempranor, all these different cities I've mentioned, these different communities, you're actually going to experience some of them and, uh, and learn more about the history of the place without sacrificing uh, action at the same time, because I don't want to move into an area and just have this be nothing but character building and, and description without something to carry it along. I do not want to bore anyone. I right. hate reading a book or watching a movie and coming to the boring part and going, okay, come on, when's the action going to start again? Right. I do not want to do that to somebody. Although, now and again, it can't be helped, but only if it benefits the development of the story. Absolutely. So, uh, and from that point forward, as we go into book four, five, six, and seven, we're going to go from a world in book one that is, like I said, kind of teenagers coming into their own Power Ranger type, you know, type uh, group to, uh, to full on, you know, fighting demonic invasion from a galactic force that has spent over a thousand years crawling through the star systems, converting or killing anything in their past before they finally come to Earth 
before they go to their final destination. Earth is just a stop. Right. Earth is just where they're going to stop, refuel, take some slaves, kill some people, feel better about themselves, and move on to what they're trying to do. Yeah. Um, some of your fight scenes. So I, I really love the way you're, you move the action right along um, and your transition from scene to scene to scene. The part where the battle takes place at the police station. To me, have you ever seen Rambo? Yes. It reminded me so much. Really? For what reading it, I'm like, wow, that's that's Rambo right there. The whole battle taking place at the police station. Um, what made you pick a police station? Just was it uh, on purpose, or just something as you were riding along it ended up happening that you were doing this big battle there? Well. In book one, you've got the storyline about the missing, the missing children, missing girls. Right. And so the police are already mentioned. They're already kind of in the background. Uh, but police, you know, and uh, you know, God bless the police. They uh, they are a symbol of authority and control, a symbol of protection uh, in in our society. Right. So taking it to the police station where. You know where most people go when they need help. Right. Uh, I thought it would be a fitting setting to show just how not only just how much Valkyra disregard authority, human authority, authority right. but how much how much more powerful they are. You know, uh, anyone who's had any experiences with with guns or firearms uh, knows the power of a firearm. People who don't use firearms or don't care about firearms understand them as a symbol of, you know, um, protection, death, or destruction. So, having a scene where you had police officers, the representation of authority and protection, under siege, mm -hmm. um, to me was a powerful statement about just how much uh, the Valkyra don't care about human armies, human right. concerns. Humans are, they're monkeys to them. Right. And how powerless we are to stop them. Right. That's, yeah, that was, that was like one of my favorite parts as far as the That's the awesome, scenes. I'm glad. Yeah, I really love that part. Like, I put a lot of, uh, I, I was kind of worried about it when I was writing it because I didn't want it to be cheesy. No, no, it was, it was good. I actually <laughs> enjoyed it. I was like, wow, I kind of, I kind of picture myself being a bystander at a safe distance, mind you, <laughs> with binoculars, because I don't want to be too close to the action. But right. yeah, it was great. Um, I guess one other question I had. So this town that they're at in, in Maryland, mm -hmm. is it based? Is that an actual town? An, Seaside? No. It's something you made up. No, is it's it, a totally made up. So is it based on something? It's Ocean you, City. Ocean City. Okay. Yeah. That's what I kind of was, was, you know. Picturing. Yeah, I've spent a few uh, a few summers down in around Ocean City, and I love that area. Um, so that's just you know that 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 fell down to okay. Am I going to put it in Jersey? Am I going to put it you know right. Delaware Beach? No, nah, not Delaware Beach. You know New Maryland. No, you know what? I like Ocean City. So I'm going to make I'm going to make a fake Ocean City. So that's where Seaside came from. Okay. Well, we could. I mean, we could spend forever and ever talking about this. I think if it's okay with you, I'd probably like to do a part two at some point. With okay. You. Um, so this is the part where you get to basically promote yourself as much as you want. 
So where can interested readers find your books? You can find uh, Elemental Heart, Elemental Dragonfire and Brimstone at uh, barnesandnoble.com, uh, on amazon.com. Uh, you can also find it in, on the Kindle. Uh, if you buy these books, if you're so kind to leave a, a rating or a review, uh, I would appreciate it. I also have a Facebook page, uh, Elemental Saga on Facebook. And um, if you have any comments or questions, feel free to leave them. Send me, uh, send me a message online. Uh, I'd love to interact with, uh, with anyone and as much as I can answer any questions without giving too much away. So thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. And uh, you could also find links to Steve's book on my website, 26podcast.com. Um, you'll find links to Steve's website as well as to his book on Amazon. And Steve, thank you so much for your time. Um, I can't wait to come back and talk to you so we can do a part two and, and talk more about book two and hopefully book three will, will be further along. Mm -hmm. um, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Find 26 Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Pocket Cast, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a favorable rating. We're trying to grow this and can only do that with your help.